listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On The Road is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day and welcome back. It's episode 82 of On The Road and we've got a huge show for you this week. Mike talks through the National Transport Commission's Heavy Vehicle National Law Review and the ATA's Drafted Road Transport Act. He's joined by Trevor Warner, Vice President of the National Road Traders Association, who shares his expert comments and opinions on the subject. In our Focus on Aussie Music Artists series this week, I'm joined by music industry icon Colin Buchanan to talk about his many achievements over the years and his brand new album and single. We'll play that track for you and later a great song by a 17-year-old lad from Tamworth who has a huge talent and very likely a huge future ahead of him too. All the latest from the On The Road newsroom, plus our great new CD giveaway competition. It's time to crank it up, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. This week, I want to get stuck into something really trucking. The ATA has decided that they want to try and break the stalemate between the National Transport Commission's long-winded, overblown and going nowhere heavy vehicle national law review, and they've drafted a Road Transport Act. Now, their idea is that this act will replace the heavy vehicle national law. I could sit here and talk about the things that I like about it, the things that I don't like about it. I thought it'd be much better if I got Trevor Warner, who is the Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association and the guy who runs the Driver's Advocate page on Facebook, to come on and we can have a bit of a chat. Trevor's got a different point of view about some of these things and he thinks about things a little bit more deeply than I do sometimes, particularly the law aspects of it. He's got the experience to make informed comment on it. We're going to look at this thing in detail, and I'd encourage anyone to go to any of the trucking publications. It's been written about everywhere, but go to Big Rigs if you want to. There's a story there, and link in the story to the actual document itself. Here's the conversation I recorded with Trevor Warner earlier on. Some interesting developments from the ATA this week, mate. I thought I'd get you on, and we could have a bit of a chat about it quickly and see what you think. There's a lot to like in here, but I'll tell you what, it looks like a bit of a sop to the Northern Territory in Western Australia to me. Yes, mate, it's welcome news for me, actually, because as you're aware, I've been banging on about most of these things for several years now, solving some of our problems. The Glenn Stirl inquiry recently, 
a lot of that was taken up from my testimony into fixing these problems, getting around issues with the states and trying to streamline many of our problems. And, and the ATA have done a fantastic job with this document. <laughs> well done to them for taking the initiative and putting it together and moving forward where the government just seems to be bogged and spinning their wheels. Well, uh, there's no doubt we can say that the government's bogged and spinning their wheels, but let's not put too fine a point on it. <laughs> I mean, they talk about the reform circus that's been going on over the last several years, as they say, from 2018, and they reckon that we've had everything except for the clowns and the trapeze artists. Mate, I reckon we've had those as well. What's going on in the background is a really interesting thing. Hmm. We, uh, when I say we, the NRFA board, we had a Zoom meeting with three of the major players that are involved in the reform, hmm. and they seemed quite genuine about getting something done, but yeah, what was going on in the sideshow remains a point of speculation. Well, it's been three years that have gotten us sort of nowhere. Every time they've come up with something, it's managed to be shot to pieces by someone. I can't believe the rubbish that the NTC have been going on with sometimes. They just don't seem to get anywhere or do anything. They seem fairly ineffectual to me. It's coming across that way, yeah. Hmm. That was one of the things that I testified to the Senate inquiry about. I guess COVID has brought this to the forefront as well, where every single state seems to be duplicating a process. Yeah. Then we've gone and duplicated it again at the Commonwealth level. It's just bureaucratic insanity, I reckon. It creates a nightmare because everyone else is saying it's his fault, look over there. And no one seems to want to take responsibility for anything. I noticed that some of the comments about this on social media was that no one's got the balls to stand up and take notice. And my comment to that was... I don't think it's they don't have the balls, they just don't have the will. And it's hard to fight a battle that you know that you're just going to have to get into the ring and go 15 rounds with everyone that you come against, you know. It just seems to be that way. It does, and it's very tiring. I've been pretty vocal in the last, well, since 2010, and I've had several emails from old-school truckies that have just gone, Trev, save your breath, you're not going to get anywhere. The bureaucracy has got it well and truly under control, but... Mm. Well, most of them probably are lawyers. Every time they write a letter, they put their hand out for an invoice or put their hand out for a paycheck. So the longer they spin their wheels, the longer the paychecks keep coming. That's right. Now, if we look at the document, I've got the ATA document sitting right in front of me now. And the first thing that they say is, does it need to be a Commonwealth law? And I, I think that it absolutely does, doesn't it? Well, I believe that it does. When B-doubles first hit the roads... Mm. Back in 1985, 1986, if I remember right, when I was just an apprentice truck driver, I guess you could call it, mm. they brought out the Interstate Road Transport Act 1985. Now, that was actually a Commonwealth law, and that was the act that brought about the federally registered number plates. Yep. Remember the scheme that was going? Yep, yep. Yeah. So we've been down this road before, and then in 2018, when the HVNL was being looked at, just being tweaked a little bit, a few lawyers that I know actually contacted the NTC and said, hang on, we've got a conflict here. You're fining these drivers under this legislation, mm. but there's this Commonwealth legislation that's still in place. Mm. Well, very quickly, that piece of legislation in the Commonwealth area quickly got repealed. Mm. So right up until 2018, we did actually have Commonwealth legislation that somewhat regulated B-doubles on federal highways. Yeah. So we've been there before. I believe that that's the way to go. You and I we could be in four different states in a week. That's right. So it makes perfect sense that we have a Commonwealth legislation that's guiding Commonwealth regulations for the trucks. 
and then Commonwealth funding for our national road network. Mm. And I can't imagine any state transport minister that was genuine that would not want the Commonwealth to take over the maintenance and the infrastructure costs of a federal road network. Mm. That would give them the opportunity to focus on what they should be doing is on their local infrastructure mm. and leave the arterial roads as part of a national freight route. Tell you what, though, it's a hell of a hill to climb, though, isn't it? Well, I think it's pretty easy. The trouble is we've got too many people along the way that might want us to reach the top of the hill. Yeah. And that's the problem. Well, I agree. To have it all sort of smoother and more efficient and a uniform scream across the country with respect to that federal road network, so to speak, to me that just makes sense. The ATA have gone on to highlight that there is a constitutional basis for all this. It's not as if they're going to go and jump into new areas of law. And just while we're on it, I just encourage people to actually go and read the document itself. We can't do it justice completely. One of the best things I think about it, though, Trevor, is that they want road managers and authorities to be brought into the chain of responsibility. I tell you what, that'd jerk a few people into gear, wouldn't it? Oh, it certainly would, yeah. The other week when we were chatting on the phone, yep. you heard the big noise and the crash in the truck, didn't you, when I went over that shocking bit of road at Claremont? I did. Yeah, disgraceful. I'd stopped at the BP and I might have only just got into top box and forgot about the rough sections. Mm. Yeah, bang. And I was right up on my weight, so I was 65 tonne. If these front wheels didn't come off the ground, I don't know what happened. But mm. just that particular example, somebody has got to be held responsible for that. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I've spoken with Rod Hanafy several times about the technology that he's got in the truck right vehicle and highlighting places that still need to be repaired that haven't been where the G-forces applied to the truck and therefore the subsequent pressure on the road only makes some of these rough spots even worse and beyond our control to fix it. Well, that's right. And when you get impacts like that or you get trucks bouncing, Mm. as Rod rightfully says, the weight comes off the wheels and when it comes back down, it potentially double the pressure that the road's absorbing, Mm. which actually compounds the problem over time. And that's why we get these whoop-de-doos like that section that you're laughing. Yeah, that was the bit that was actually in my mind when I was talking about it. It still hasn't been fixed as far as I know. No, and the the bits they have fixed is all starting to break up already. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) If this Act was to go ahead and define the chain of responsibility to include any party with influence over the heavy vehicle road transport activities, I can only see that as a good thing. They're talking about all the intermediaries between consigners and operators, facility owners and operators, persons preparing livestock for transport or accepting stock, heavy vehicle maintenance repairs, the road authorities and the road managers. I mean, that's not an exhaustive list, but I'll tell you what, it would make a significant change to the attitude of some of the people that do have a direct effect on what happens on the road, wouldn't it? Well, it would. You may or may not recall back in 2018, the original HVNL Act in Chapter 5, I'm not sure exactly what section it was now, but I do know it was under Chapter 5, hmm. actually listed every single link in the chain of responsibility. Well, that got repealed. Yeah. So they've taken it out. And I think people have realised that that was a mistake. It hasn't corrected the situation. All that it's done is broaden the scope, or let's just say there's more holes in the net for the fish to escape so they don't have to front the court. Yeah. You can't go too far in saying sometimes some of these accidents that happen are as a direct result of the environment we're driving in, not the trucks, not the drivers, the actual environment. Yeah, that's right. That's it. And 
as Rod said at the Senate inquiry, hmm. we need a road standard. Now, thankfully, after all these years, we can go from Melbourne all the way to Brisbane on a four-lane freeway that's got great big wide shoulders. Hmm. Now, those big wide shoulders, they've saved me before. I had a car pull out in front of me and obviously didn't look what was coming. Hmm. And if that shoulder wasn't there, I would have been in the ditch. But I used that shoulder and the road widened up and everyone got out of trouble. Yep. Now, the inland freight route through central Queensland that the government has now tipped nearly a billion dollars into that project, there was a road train the other day. Just this narrow, crappy bit of road that's been there for probably five decades. Mm. The fog line is hardly recognisable. Two trucks met in a bad spot and uh, one kept going, the other one ended up on its side. Mm we had a national road standard, we would have a road similar to the Hume to Brisbane and accidents should not happen. Well, that's right. We'll just break off there for a second. We'll hear a word from our sponsors and we'll come back. I want to talk about safety systems being mandatory and uh, I thought that they were. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. You got me there, Andy? Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up to that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. We'd want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. So we're back and we're moving down the document and they say here safety systems would be mandatory. All business operating trucks should have a safety management system. And I actually thought all that stuff was mandatory, particularly if you're accredited with someone like, oh, I don't know, TruckSafe, for example. Well, accreditation, yeah, yeah, that's right. But for those that have got TruckSafe or NVHAS, the BFM, the Basic Fatigue Management, Advanced Fatigue Management, hmm. these systems are already in place. So it's not actually going to impact the larger companies that do have these systems in place. Hmm. What that's designed to do and I clearly remember the conference where Dr. Sarah Jones, the toll OH&S expert, she stood up there and did a brilliant piece on anybody can just go to the auctions, buy a truck and a trailer, yep. and they've got a mate over in a warehouse, and all of a sudden their truck's registered, they've got a bit of money, they've mortgaged the house, they've got working capital, and they can go to work. Yep. And there's no requirement for those people to actually be educated on road transport. And yet, in the building industry, you can't even put up a shed in your backyard unless you've got an owner builder's license, so to speak. No, oh, that's right. And this is what I said in my testimony to the Senate inquiry, that if you're going to buy a truck and put it to work on the roads, you need to at least be educated in all the aspects involved in that business. Hmm. Whether you follow those rules or not, it's entirely up to you. But so many times in court, and this is why we're seeing these enforceable undertakings or you get pulled up on the side of the road and the officer says, oh, that strap there's a bit loose. Well, it looks fine to me. Yeah. Or you just plead ignorance. 
So they're trying to close that loophole that if you're going to go and buy a truck and put a B-double together and, and tow 65 tonne and go out onto a public road, mm. we want to know that you understand your mass limits, your fatigue limits, your maintenance. Yes. Oh, I think this is a big one. When people go and buy a truck, where's the business plan? Yeah. Now, over in the United States, you'd know this, Mike. Yes. Yeah. You've got to have your own authority, and that authority, basically, to get that, you've got to demonstrate that you know how to run your business from a financial point of view, and you know your bottom line. You know that it's going to cost you $2.30 a kilometre, and if some joker offers you a dollar eighty a kilometre to do a job, you know that you're losing money, Yeah. and you've got to cut corners to do that thing. But if you don't know your cost basis... Hmm. And that's why we've got all these jokers running around undercutting and you know, $65 an hour for a prime mover in Melbourne. Mind-blowing. You couldn't even put fuel in Rego for that. <laughs> the fact is that we both know that it costs money to run a truck and it takes a little bit of brain power to run one successfully. I would argue and have argued for some time that there does need to be some sort of an authority system where people actually demonstrate their ability I've also argued that there needs to be some sort of an actual commercial driver's license. I can't go to the US and just jump in a truck and go and drive and earn money. I can't go to England and jump in a truck and earn money without doing the training. I can't go to Europe and do it. Why do we let people come from overseas into Australia, spend four days at a driving school, get a test done by an assessor from the training provider in most cases, I know it doesn't work that way in Queensland, then go out and be driving the biggest trucks on the road? It doesn't make any sense. Not from any point of view. Not from any point of view, unless you're a shareholder and you want the company directors to put as much of the bottom line onto your dividend check as possible. <laughs> so, well, you know. this is where I get a bit cynical. I mean, I like what the ATA are doing here, but we've got to understand that they're representing their constituents as well. Any benefit for drivers is generally a side issue in my experience. They're talking about the safety management systems and how we can look at fatigue in a different way, scrap the logbook, and I don't know if scrapping the logbook's the right way to go. What do you think? Well, I actually supported and even made the suggestion in several meetings that the logbook for most city-based drivers is a waste of time. Yeah, agree. Let's just take a concrete agitator. Hmm. Let's look at the quarry networks. Those guys start their trucks at 5 in the morning. They might run 200 kilometres one way and bring quarry materials back. Technically, they need to use their logbook. Yeah. But they're really only working 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. There is no risk. Mm. Now, if people say, oh, but this, but that, well, hang on a second. If you read the front of your work diary, there's a section there that says solo bus drivers. Yep. Now, if you take the solo bus driver work rules, why are truck drivers treated any different? And the reason is that bus drivers sleep during the best time during the night. So their own regulations demonstrate that a bus driver can manage his fatigue a lot better than a truck driver. <laughs> but if the truck driver works the same hours as the bus driver, he's still subject to the high-risk penalties and the high-risk workloads. Yeah. There's so many contradictions in their own paperwork. Yep. We believe that if the risk is low, mm. why even bother having the logbook? Because the logbook is a separate set of legislation to the OH&S legislation, which covers every single business. Mm. You must provide a safe workplace. Now, that is a very big broadside of a barn to provide a safe workplace. Yeah. If people were looking at that very provision that you're talking about of providing a safe workplace... 
I don't think there would be anyone that would be trying to justify someone working 15 hours a day behind the wheel. They, I don't think they could get away with it. It's an extremely hard thing to do. Hmm. And you know yourself, if you're running Perth to Sydney, hmm. that is a completely different dynamic yes. than if you're doing pickups and deliveries in Melbourne and then driving up to Sydney and doing pickups and deliveries in Sydney. Yeah. Because you're in and out of the truck, you're moving around, you're doing a bit of exercise, 17 hours in a day just disappears in next to no time. Yeah. Where 14 hours, I'm on BFM, so I can only drive for or work for 14 hours. Yeah. Going from Sydney to Perth, driving for 14 hours constantly, that's the big day. It is a big day. It does take it out of here. You can't just keep doing it. I really can't. We do have things in place now where we look at long-term fitness for duty. We do have medicals in place for people that require them. I honestly think, and I'll say this to my dying day, the system as it exists in Western Australia is the best one I've encountered, particularly when it comes to the enforcement of it. And I would love to see that system as it exists across the whole country. Doesn't mean there are no rules, but people are held accountable, but in a different way than what we experience on the East Coast now. And I think that's pretty much the NRFA's position as well, isn't it? It is, mate. I've submitted an advanced fatigue management module to the NHVR for approval. Yep. It's certainly taking its time to get through, but it is a cut and paste of the Western Australian rules from a driver's perspective. Mm. And I can get that approved in 24 hours. Just do their online accreditation thing in WA, click submit. Next minute, I remember right, I think you get an email with your certificate. You do. You absolutely do. Yep. So far, it's been like seven, maybe even eight months now since I started the application process, and I'm still no further advanced other than completing the application form. Well, that alone illustrates the bloody bureaucratic red tape, doesn't it? Just that alone. It does, and it's insane. And yet, if I was to come off the highway and go and do local work, Mm. I could run around picking up Parcel Express during the day and then I can go and do an eight-hour shift on a forklift at the markets or in a coal store somewhere and still work my 17 hours a day. Mm. I don't have to fill out logbooks. I'm probably only subject to 50% of the potential penalties. Mm. Life is a hell of a lot stressful and for what? It's just you're in a different environment. I just don't understand why truck drivers are targeted the way that we are targeted. Well, mate, I can honestly tell you when I was a registered nurse working as a clinical nurse specialist in a recovery room in an operating theatre, I could do a double shift and no one cared. (laughs) You could be doing very, very complicated drug calculations and all that people's life in your hand Mm -hmm. and they didn't care if you were working 16 hours. Highway patrol copper, mate. You've got a car that's capable of 280 kilometres an hour. You've got a pistol on your hip that's got 17 bullets in it. And you're in high-pressure situations dealing with people that don't particularly like your choice of work. Mm. And yet, same deal. Mm. Double shift, 17 hours a day. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. We're not all the same. Mate, the National Land Transport Network, this is the big one. This is the really big one. And this is where the ATA's constituents would be sitting back and going, oh, what can we do here? The Act would define access to the National Land Transport Network to include combinations of up to 53.5 metres, such as A-doubles, Type 2 road trains, AB-triples and B-triples up to 42 metres, ABB quads and BAB quads up to 125 tonnes on the road network. I'd say if we were going to do that, mate, we might need to do some reform or some licensing first, wouldn't you? Oh, mate, I agree with what they're proposing. Mm. It's the licensing thing that concerns me the most. The nut holding the wheel, mate, is going to be the difference whether this succeeds or it fails. Yep. 
and during the week you may or may not know we had a B triple on its side on the Pilliga. Can't remember which day it was. Saw the pictures, yep. Whatever happened there, no one really knows. I haven't heard. But if we see inexperienced drivers in these bits of gear, particularly the road trains, mm. how many times have you seen the dog trailer just flick off the side and next minute it's on its side and it's dragged the whole lot over? No, well, mate, that's what happens all the time. That's the way they go. The first or second dog will go on a triple. Mm. That's the way the quads crash up in the Pilbara. They'll drop the fourth trailer off the back and off some six-inch rut off the side of the road. It'll flick to the right and flick to the left, and then the next thing you know, it's rolled over. I've got video of it happening. Yep. I mean, that's the way they go. Sometimes it's the road. Sometimes it's the inexperience of the operator not positioning his vehicle correctly. But the fact remains that these things happen. and It's not hard for someone going the other way to be eating your trailer either. That's the scary thing that I'm experiencing now out on the Newell. And I just did a run from North Queensland down through the centre. And that road, which is known as the Inland Freight Route, hmm. Man, that's scary. And there's been a few trucks actually sideswiped there and ruined their day. Yep. But if we've got this big, wide four-lane freeway or even just a two-lane with the big two-metre-wide shoulders, hmm. there's no reason that these trucks can't safely navigate those roads. We've just got to make sure that that nut holding the wheel is correctly torqued. The problem that we have, we have the situation with some of the big carriers here and in Melbourne and I know in Brisbane as well, where they can't get enough drivers for their regular work. They survive on agency drivers. We have the situation where the agency drivers come and they get their licence and they go to the agency and the agency places them with these companies. If they've got the right licence, there's nothing to stop someone saying, we've hooked it all together for you over there, old mate, head to Tarkata. And as long as you've got a heartbeat and the right licence and the company that owns the equipment has got the arm's length relationship with the agency, no one seems to care. And that really does trouble me. Troubles me too, mate. It's something that we seriously need to address and the media have reported that they want to bring in people from overseas again to fill the gap. Hmm. to go and do their semi-license, exactly the scenario that you described. It's a recipe for disaster. But being able to drive the truck's one thing. Hmm. What I'm seeing now, and I, I really don't like using the word cowboy. Hmm. It's the wrong word. It's the wrong word. Yep. I'm actually talking at the Monash University next week, and one of the things that I want to talk about is anxiety. Yep. Drivers that have got anxiety. Now, we've all been there. We've all done that, where you're on the edge of your seat, you're driving your truck flat out, and then as you get older, you realise, well, no, I'm more of a cruiser than a race driver these days. And you chill out. You, you just back off a little bit and you take your time. Yep. And when you're driving these big combinations, you can't have that anxiety because that's when you start driving aggressively and that's when things are going to go wrong. Hmm. You've got to chill out. So that's the mental conditioning that I'm concerned about with new entrants coming into the game. Oh, yeah. And then you add the kilometre rate or the fixed rate per trip into the mix so the driver knows it doesn't matter if it takes me two hours longer to do this, I'm not getting any more for it, so let's get into it and get it over and done with. And the frustration sometimes you get in the traffic, the whole thing just mixes together. It's like air crash investigation. It's not one thing. It's usually a chain of things. And anxiety, as you say, is part of it. But the whole environment, the mental environment, the physical environment, the truck environment, the maintenance, it all adds together. And it just seems to me that when you point that out, and it's exceedingly obvious to most of us, some of the people with the power to change these things will stand there stony-faced and go, I don't see the issue. That's right. 
the ATA has come out with this document and the ATA uh, a representative of all the big companies mm. right down to the allocator. You could stand there and you can point all that out to an allocator, mm. but that's not his job. If he's never driven a truck before, he'll just look at you like a stunned mullet and go on, but I need you to do this. Yep. But you've got all these other things that have negatively impacted your anxiety level. Mm. And then you're expected as a driver to take a deep breath and go, none of that bothers me. I just need to do this job and then you go. But if you allow all the bullshit to pile on your shoulders that just got put onto your back at the depot, yep. that's just throwing gasoline on a fire. It is. They're talking about replacing the permit system, and that's based off the successful Tasmanian model where they get automatic notices. Operators able to check their access 24-7, etc. PBS vehicles to be handed in the same way, saying that the number of access permits would be reduced by 95%. The oversize over mass operators would have to love that, but why wouldn't they just have all the roads assessed on the national network and say you can drive that on there and that's that, permits out the window? Why wouldn't we do that? I believe that that will be the ultimate aim because the bottleneck for the permit system is actually the road managers. Yeah. Because we've got this multi-state, multi-tiered thing, the NHVR, if you and I want to move a, let's say, a D11 with a six-metre blade, mm. if you and I want to move that from Melbourne to Brisbane, Previously, before the NHVR, you've got to contact every single jurisdiction, mm -hmm. which is an absolute nightmare. These days, you just contact NHVR and you think it should be simple. The problem is the multi-tiered approach is NHVR then contacts all those road managers on your behalf. Yeah. And each one of those road managers can take 21 or 28 days to reply to your request. Mm. You called me the other day your mate had to move this thing and it had been nine weeks and he's still waiting for his piece of paper. That's right. I remember. But if they have the road standards in place, they have the road network, credit, all, all that in place, if you've got an oversize, you just put in your notification notice that you, you're going to be moving between this date and that date. Yep. It's problem solved. And another one that really peeves me is Let's just say I put a load of watermelons on it. The farmer's got a little bit generous and he's loaded me to 66 tonne gross, which can easily happen. Yep. And I get knocked off in Dubbo. Well, if I paid a little bit of money and got that piece of paper, well, the problem disappears. <laughs> so it's not actually a road issue. The road's capable of carrying probably another 20, maybe 100 tonne. Yep. But because you haven't got that piece of paper, you're going to get whacked to $2,500 fine because you've gone that one tonne over. Mm. I can't remember which magistrate or justice in New South Wales said it now, but clearly revenue raising. That's a can of worms I know that we could get into. I've discussed that privately before, and I think to myself, you know, as long as you've paid your, I called it a bribe, that's probably not the right word, but as long as you've made your contribution to the state coffers and got your permit, then you're good to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. As long as you've got a road-friendly suspension and you've paid your permit, good to go. That's it. Oh and, you know, one of the comments that the NTC said to us in our meeting was productivity has stagnated for a decade. Yep, that's right. And I said, well, of course it's stagnated because instead of actually doing the job and pumping out the invoices, everybody's stuck in OH&S mode of getting all the paperwork in order. That's right. And all that work happens before the work actually gets done. Hmm. This process that they're talking about here should reduce the paperwork to virtually nothing hmm. and our productivity has got to increase and these trucks have got to move a b-double fridge van these days you're looking at 800 900 thousand if you're lucky yep you can't be sitting around for a day because you haven't got a piece of paper that's right that's the worst part about this it costs money real money the bit of this whole thing that disturbs me 
and this is the bit that does truly disturb me, they want a more flexible approach to technology. Now, on the surface, that sounds like a great idea. They're talking about certified technologies mm -hmm. and how the Act should generate provisions enabling the Australian Heavy Vehicle Regulator to issue type approvals for certified technology and data systems and all that sort of stuff. I don't have a problem with the data systems. I don't have a problem with seeing machines or anything like that. I really don't care about any of that stuff. It all does a defined thing, and it is a tool to help advance your business or provide a safety aspect on the road. The bit of this that does concern me, they're talking about autonomous vehicles. And they're saying because of the flexibility of the SMS concept, the Act would be ready for autonomous and remotely operated vehicles. Mm. I never, never, ever, ever want to see a remotely operated vehicle or an autonomous vehicle carrying the weights we carry running up and down our highway. And it's not because I'm worried about losing jobs. It's not because I'm worried about anything. I'm worried about the fact that we do need to have a human in control of a vehicle. There'll be still things go wrong, but at least a human needs to be part of the chain. And I'd hate to see these things just come in through the back door. To me, that opens the door to let that happen. It does open the door. Autonomous is definitely on its way, mm. but mate, on mine sites, you can't get a more controlled environment, and yet we're seeing dump trucks on the side, dump trucks having head-ons. Mm. For heaven's sake, how long is Windows going, and we're still getting system crashes? That's right. You can't even keep your damn Bluetooth hooked up to your car. Oh, yeah, actually, my earpieces that I've got now, I've actually used the cable because the Bluetooth iPods are too unreliable, but mm. that's all speculation. Let's just have a chat about trials at the moment. Mm. I can't remember when it was, maybe eight years ago. Wide Magazine or Forbes Magazine put out an article that the Google cars were causing 90% of the accidents or something like that, or nine out of 10 accidents involving an autonomous vehicle was the fault of the autonomous vehicle. Yep. Now, Google come out and said, oh, no, 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 it wasn't our vehicle. It was the other cars. Hmm. What they didn't say was there was a system failure and the algorithm couldn't identify a particular parameter so we just slammed the brakes on and stopped the car on a busy freeway. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not their fault. Technically, it's not their fault. Yep. Technically, it was the other person. They should have been traveling at a safer distance. But, you know, you just need one sensor, one critical sensor to fail or to not compute. Mm. And there's no way in the world these governments are going to allow trucks to operate without a fail-safe system. Mm. In the case of a, a loss of signal, a GPS problem, a, a sensor issue, it's going to have an emergency shutdown procedure. Hmm. I think that's where the problem is going to be. Yep. It's going to be the reliability of it. Yep. And the other thing is, uh, now a mate of mine I've been working with, he's become a mate. He's a software engineer. I've been working with him for 14 months now on these EWDs. Yep. He's developing some really tricky stuff for scheduling at the moment, which is probably going to take him a couple of years. But it's involving AI and all that sort of thing. But he said, Look, I write code for these things. Until we get a freeway that's got a dedicated truck route yep. and all the relevant sensors and everything in place, the code is just too complicated. Mm. I can't think of the scientist now, but he made the statement that the more complicated the code, the more inherent the risk is. Well, to use a Gary Marn quote, mate, Gary said the other day that we should have a road network that's designed for trucks and we let cars use it. That's right, exactly. Mate, We've been going on for a while. We'll just hear another word from our sponsors. We'll come back and wrap it up. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. 
We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Governance and administration, Trev. They're talking about things would be made a little bit easier. They don't want to move it from Queensland or anything like that. They don't want to move the NHPR from Queensland. They want to just rename it Australian Heavy Vehicle Regulator, remain in Brisbane, continue to have a board and expand the powers in line with Commonwealth regulatory practice and everything would become part of the Australian Heavy Vehicle Regulator. Now, Australia is a small country population, but we're a big country in land mass, and I know Cam Dumps going to be over there at the moment. He'd be screaming, hearing me saying that we should all do things the same way across the country because Western Australia has a very different particular set of problems to what's in Queensland, to what's in New South Wales, Victoria, or even Tasmania. How do we make things fairer and simpler for everyone? I don't think there is any way, is there really? I think there is, but my view might be a little bit idealistic because I don't have any, what's the term that you use? Hmm. Motivation. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to see these problems fixed. I said on a tweet this morning, we're not here for the glory, we're here to get things done. That's right, you did. And I think this is a a terrific start in the right direction. And I've advocated for the NHVR in, in my testimony that the paperwork just needs to change. The, a different office needs to stamp the paperwork. Yeah. Nothing has to change too much in the environment. The things I like about the governance and the administration is it's centralised. Yes. We don't have to deal with bureaucrats as such. We've got a set of rules and we just go to the one place. Now, NHVR will have offices in each capital city. Yeah. So for a driver's perspective... Instead of having to travel from Melbourne to Ballina Court, for example, which is an absolute nightmare, mm. to attend a court appearance because you didn't have the right piece of paper. Yeah. Now, under this system, you'll just ring up NHVR or whatever the case may be, and you'll just go into the NHVR chambers, and I'm sure there'll be legal JPs and magistrates or some sort of judiciary tribunal at these offices. Mm. So you'll go to that tribunal and then state your case at the local level instead of having to travel. Now, there's various decisions put out by the judiciary that says that you can't have double penalties. Mm. Now, what they're doing to truck drivers is you've got travel, you've got loss of work, you've got all this expense to go to court. Yep. So a $1,000 fine all of a sudden turns into 3000 yeah. So doing it this way, that'll eliminate that problem. Yeah. Now, administration, everything is going electronic. So one of the big things about the fatigue laws is They've got 60 million yellow pages that the industry has to process every year for compliance. Mm. Now, if that goes electronic, one business in particular has said to a mate that they can move 10 staff out of compliance and put them into other parts of the business. Yeah. Save all that money. Yeah. Well, compliance is one of those big things that does take up a lot of time and a lot of the budget of businesses. No argument about that. I suppose probably one of the most attractive things about this is being simpler and fairer remedies for the drivers, as you said. 
penalty provisions for operators would be replaced by requirement to have compliance safety systems management and requirement to operate in accordance within that system. So that's okay, but there's still a hell of a bit of work there to try and enforce or try and keep an eye on what's going on. I think the fatigue management and work diary offences being sorted out would be a great big plus. Obviously, the heavy vehicle national law to Commonwealth law would make the heavy vehicle plates become truly national again. I think that's a good thing. And inconsistencies in the current scheme, they're saying, would be eliminated. There's a lot of pluses, mate, and you've got to give it a big round of applause. I don't think it's without its problems. The technology one, for example, is the one that really gets me. But anything that's about better governance and administration and ultimately a better environment, an easier environment for drivers to negotiate in is probably a good move, isn't it? I believe so, mate. Yeah, I'm not one for big government. Mm. It gets too complicated. It gets too messy. There's too many motivations come into play. Yep. This will simplify it. It will streamline a lot of the stuff. The saving to the states will be a lot. And let's just hope that those savings then get put into other key areas because they'll save on administration and everything. Mm. Apart from the autonomous situation that you mentioned, I cannot fault this document at all. Yeah, no, I agree. And of course, if we couple that up with a proper and sensible review of the licensing system that we've been talking about for, oh, I don't know, a couple of decades, Mm -hmm. we would end up with a pretty good system, wouldn't we? I believe we would. Yeah. All right, so on balance, Trev, we're going to give it a couple of thumbs up. I reckon we give it two thumbs up, and I reckon, I just might reckon, that WANNT will give it two thumbs up as well. <laughs> well, that's what I said at the start, mate. I think it's a bit of a soft for Western Australia and the Northern Territory. We'll get them all on board. We'll all be joined together at the hip one day down the track, and this looks like a reasonable path for that happening, doesn't it? It does. It does. Let's just hope that the motivations of the federal government that couldn't get this together in the last three years don't get their nose out of joint and want to throw a spanner in the works. <laughs> uh, we're going to take bets? I don't think so. <laughs> Who would take that bet? <laughs> I'm not taking it, mate. Thanks for coming on and having a chat with me and getting granular on the ATA's new proposal with me, Trevor. I do appreciate it. Drive safely, brother, and we'll see you on the road. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's always a pleasure, and I will, mate. You too. Take care. Trevor and I obviously found some stuff to agree on in there, and overall it's not a bad thing. There are changes on the way. We all know that that's going to happen, or it's got to happen. But I'll tell you what, there has to be some allowances made for the times where things need to be done differently. Keep it safe. We'll see you next time. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. As we continue our series focusing on the wealth of great music talent we have in this country, this week we're joined by one of the pioneers of modern Australian country music. With a hugely successful career spanning more than 30 years, Colin Buchanan is a prolific songwriter and performer with more than 40 albums and multiple award wins to his name. He's been a presenter on ABC TV's Play School, hosted the Toyota Outback Club radio show for 10 years, co-written a plethora of hits with Lee Kernigan, was the slightly shorter half of the much-loved duo Bucko and Champs alongside Greg Champion, and he wrote and recorded everyone's favourite Christmas song, Aussie Jingle Bells. Now, despite the lockdowns across the country over the past couple of years, Colin has kept working, performing shows when he's been able to, and recording new material. Yes, Bucko is back with a new album set to be released this year and has just released his new single called In Real Life. 
In the Sydney Morning Herald, he's been described as simply the best songwriter to emerge in the Australian country music scene in the last decade. It's my privilege today to introduce you to Mr Colin Buchanan. G'day Colin, it's a real buzz to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Andy, I don't only feel like I'm on the show, I feel like I am rolling across this wide brown land in a million rigs across Australia. That's very special. Well, you will be when it goes to air, that's for sure. Now, mate, I've resisted the urge to quote from your media release by starting the interview with Open Wide Come Inside. It's Colin Buchanan. (laughs) That would be just a bit too corny, but I trust you're in a comfortable room to record the interview. Uh, (laughs) With a bear in here or... Is there a chair in there? Yeah, (laughs) I saw that one coming. Uh, Sorry, couldn't resist that. It's a funny mixture of, you know, sort of people teasing you, like being back at school. Mm. My dad invented it. My sister's suitcase at school was so heavy that my dad invented a trolley system for it. I wish he'd copyrighted it because now (laughs) every suitcase has wheels. Yep. You know, he could have been the guy. But nonetheless, she got mercilessly teased for having a trolley. She got called Trolley Girl and I got called Trolley Girl's brother. And I was like, (laughs) I didn't have a trolley. (laughs) So leave me alone. But now when people go, there's a bear in there, it's like, I feel like they're sort of half saying trolley girl's brother, (laughs) but also there's so much love for play school. That's right. And across every age and stage, you know, it's like the most road-weary trucker, be it a mother or a father or an uncle or an aunt, they'll say, hey, I loved what you did on play school, you know. Yeah. (laughs) It's really very special to be a part of Australian family life in the way that play school's been able to be a part of that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Now, more than three decades of writing, recording and performing, nine golden guitars, multiple ARIA and APRA nominations and wins. Difficult question, but what's the secret to your longevity (laughs) in an industry where we see people come and go all the time? It's funny when I hear your introduction, Andy, and I think 30 years, golly, I There is part of me that still feels a little like a newcomer. Mm. I bumped into John Kane only a couple of years ago, and he produced my first album, Galaz and the Gigi. And really, he played such an important role in that he listened to a cassette of songs that I gave him after a gig, Mm -hmm. and he wrote back and said, I'd like to produce an album for you. And we started down that road. It wasn't all beer and Skittles, and it wasn't sort of big cigars and stretch limos or anything yeah. like that. It was just a lot of hard work and quite a bit of hand-to-mouth and so forth. Yeah. And it's sort of strange to think, wow, all those records, and, you know, I've lived a creative life, and yet, you know, when I met John again, it just seemed like the twinkling of an eye in lots of ways. Mm. I won't say I feel like it's the imposter syndrome, but I have just, you know, in some ways – through the kindness and help of people like John and many others, I have followed my nose and, you know, I've always felt like doing what comes largely naturally and instinctively to me is my best chance of being the real me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really blessed that that's sort of produced something that has been really valued by people in, you know, in, and across quite a wide range of music as well, which is lovely. Yeah. Certainly is. Now, your new single, In Real Life, what's the story behind the song, Matt? 
Well, I suppose truck drivers would be no stranger to abbreviations, special terminology, you know, things that when I go to Channel 40, I go, I'm not sure what they're talking about there, but they know what they're talking about. (laughs) 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 Tenfold. And someone signed off an email with IRL. Okay. And there was someone I hadn't met, but we'd had a nice interaction on the email. And he said, basically, I'm looking forward to catching up with you, IRL. And it was in real life, of course. Okay. And it just struck me how, you know, the last couple of years had taken something so important to all of us that perhaps we had taken for granted and not really thought about. And it happened that I was out. I'd had a couple of gigs, one rolling across the Darling Downs. I was, you know, just in between shutdowns, I was able to get out and do a gig in Drillham, mm-hmm. you know, west of Miles, west of Dolby in the Darling Downs. And, yep. and it just was such a tonic to me, such a blessing to just be out and on the road and to perform for people. I thought, you know, really, I want to write a song that celebrates that. So, you know, certainly it's not a lament about what we'd lost. It's more a celebration and an anticipation of being together and being across borders and across, you know, vast distances as well because I, I had a grandson born last year and nice. so I didn't get to meet him till this year And because uh, my son lives in the UK. Mm-hmm. So they came out. So that was just such a, you know, the anticipation of that, the sweetness of being with the people that you love. And I'm sure, you know, as many who listen to this podcast, they're travelers and, you know, there's something that gets in your blood about traveling. But there's also something very special about being with the ones you love you know, and being in certain places that just yeah. they could show you photos of it, but it would never be the same as just actually being there in real life. Yeah. Now, as we've established before, you've been around this industry for a long time, which is hard to believe when you look at photos of you and your classic boyish good looks. But <laughs> <laughs> having said that, how do you see the general health of the country music scene in Australia and where do you see it going in the future? Wow, I mean, that's a very elder statesman question there, Andy. And very respectfully. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. it's interesting to grow older because the view from the inside, you know, as you get older, it doesn't change too much. There's part of you that just still feels like you're just getting the hang of this whole thing. Yeah. But it is important to get excited about young artists and also to give space 30 years is a long time and, you know, I got the chance to sort of make a few mistakes and learn the ropes and open my eyes to what other people were doing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm excited to be able to be doing what I'm doing, but I'm also conscious that, you know, there's something wonderful about fresh artists and, like, I'll never forget in my 20s just getting into music and then being exposed to a whole lot of new music that I hadn't heard before. Yeah. And just that excitement. I love music. I love, you know, I was listening today to music and excited about that music. But there's nothing quite like the excitement of those times in your life. And so, you know, for Australian country music, I hope that people are really getting excited about music. It's important to give space to that and to celebrate it and to give people room to learn and grow as artists and be their own artists. It's very easy to have a look at what's happening in America or someone else who's successful and sort of emulate that. Mm. And I think, Well, you know, we all do a bit of that. If you put the spectrometer over Colin Buchanan, you'd find little traces of a Springsteen here and a Slim Dusty there and a Eric Bogle here and a, you know, a little scrap of James Taylor there. And, you know, like we're all a sort of patchwork quilt of the music we love. Yeah. And we just want to follow in that. So 
you know, I'm optimistic because music is wonderful, you know, and very often I like to say the music's going to win because yes. <laughs> it's music yeah. and it may not have the organization behind it that we'd like or financial support or, you know, industry support. But I think music is its own best story, you know, mm. it's its own best PR agent. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we've been recording this series, certainly with the music we've been hearing and the people we've been meeting, I honestly think that the future's looking like it's in pretty good hands. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. And and I mean, part of this new song and new album is a chance for me to do something that I haven't done for a while, and that's release music in my own right. I've collaborated with a lot of people, but I haven't released my own albums. Mm. So I'm sort of looking forward to what comes with that, which is traveling going to festivals, being a bit more involved in artists who I may not, you know, I get to know the artists I collaborate with sure. and we, we spend time. But I'm looking forward to just being, you know, a little more connected into the industry again at the front end, if you like. <laughs> yeah, completely. Now, clearly, you don't need introduction. Everyone knows who you are. But where can our listeners go online to find out even more about you, the new album and your touring plans for the rest of the year, mate? Well, you know, I've got the website, colinbuchanan.com.au, and social media, I do treat social media a bit like, you know, forgive me for this, but it's sort of the pamphlet drop to me or the billboard. I'm hearing you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like trusting it much beyond that <laughs> concerns me a little bit, yeah. but that's another story. But it's certainly useful to sort of spread the word of, you know, things that I'm doing and, you know, where I'm going. But I've also discovered that you can completely spell my name wrong on the Google machine hmm. and it'll still find me, which is remarkable, unless you spell Colin, C-O-L-O-N. <laughs> and then you get something entirely different. Do not click on images. That's that's my... <laughs> Thanks for the warning. <laughs> Folks, our special guest today is one of the most loved and respected artists in Australian country music, Colin Buchanan. Mate, thanks for sharing some of your precious time and coming out to play on the road with us. Oh, thank you so much and look, safe travels to everyone. Thank you, mate. Now, to close out our chat today, would you please introduce your new single for us? I certainly will. I've been looking forward to this. It's my very great pleasure, Colin Buchanan here, to introduce my new song and it's called In Real Life. Cheers, Bucko. Thanks, mate. Yeah, that's great. Oh, well, thank you, Andy. When you can't get yourself across the borderline, you can still close your eyes and you'll see the towns of the Darling Downs or a big blue drilling sky. And when you can't get your feet on the western dirt, you'll get the smell of the song will carry you on till you're back in the bush again we're gonna get there we're gonna make it shouldn't come as any big surprise we're gonna get there nothing better and we'll be doing it in real life when you haven't got to hold the ones you to say goodbye Can't change what's done But a new day's coming So we better get ready to fly We're gonna get there We're gonna make it Shouldn't come as any big surprise
pictures Love takes more than a text Let's just make a plan to be together again And we'll see what happens next We're gonna get there, we're gonna make it Shouldn't come as any big surprise We're gonna get there, nothing better G'day guys, it's Tone from Tone's Trucking Stories here and you're listening to the On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rig Road Show. Yes, it's time for the great On The Road Aussie music giveaway. We've talked on the show recently with sensational Aussie country music star Blake Dantier and we'll be catching up with him again shortly to hear all about the release of his fantastic new album, Dry Season. To celebrate the album release, over the next few weeks, we'll be giving away a few autographed copies of the album, courtesy of Blake Dantier, Wild Heart Publicity and On The Road Podcast. Now here's a brief reminder of what you can expect from the new album. So to go into the draw to win one of these great Blake Dantier autograph CDs, simply send a text to 0418-722-488 with your name, contact phone number and the code words dry season. Once again, text 0418-722-488 with your name, contact phone number and the code words dry season. Winners will be announced here on the road after our chat with Blake in a couple of weeks time. Good luck. Hey, it's Blake Dandia here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Be told. 
For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey Mike, had a bit of flooding problems today? We've had a few flooding problems, mate. I've been held up and held up and got through finally, drove through a little bit of water down at Ballina, but here we are. You're making a bit of a habit of this, aren't you? I am, mate. I've got a special set of truck driver floaties that I'm counting about with me. They work well. What does a truck driver floaty look like? (laughs) (laughs) They're big oversized ones, mate, (laughs) and they're painted yellow. Okay, fair enough. No further (laughs) questions. You're on the M1, are you? Just pulled up at Coomera, mate. Just oh, pulled up at the big BP at Coomera. Lovely. I had a bit of misfortune on the M1 the other day, ran out of petrol. Oh, right, eh? So I rang my insurance company to request roadside assistance, and they suggested it might be financially more prudent to just write the car off. Yeah, well, I've seen your car, mate. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Given the price of petrol, thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. Moving right along, got a very busy, busy show this week. Indeed. In this week's federal budget, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg announced a $0.22 cents per litre reduction in fuel excise tax for the next six months. Yeah, look, this sort of thing sounds good on the surface, hmm. but really the net effect of the relief is only $0.4.3 cents a litre. So given the other subsidies that trucking does get for fuel, it really doesn't seem that much. I mean, and it's only for six months. I can't see the problem being solved by then. I'm going to have a chat with Chris Rowe. We can talk about how truck drivers aren't the best businessmen. The base rates need to change, mate. This plan around the edges with fuel excises and things, it just won't cut it, I'm afraid. Mm. Yeah. Mate, also in this week's federal budget, a funding package worth $17.9 billion will see a boost in infrastructure projects with a lion's share of that going towards the Melbourne Intermodal Terminal and South Australia's North-South Corridor. Yeah, look, there's a lot of money being spread around. I, I sort of really didn't catch very much of the budget myself the other night, mm. but there is a heck of a lot of money being spread around. I did see that Victoria were having a little bit of a sook. They thought they should have got some more. <laughs> it's a very involved story. This one, I'd recommend that the readers go to the bigrigs.com.au webpage and have a bit of a look. There are a lot, a lot of projects, and they're in the millions of dollars. So go and have a read. In the billions. In the billions, mate. $17.9 billion. I mean, get some money out of Twiggy Forest or something. I could almost pay the house off and buy a new car with that. That's right. You could too. The TWU has said that the ATA's proposed scrapping of the logbook allowing employers to take the responsibility of monitoring drivers' hours was akin to putting the fox in charge of the hen house. That'd be great, except that I don't think they've read the document very well. Mm. As you've probably heard earlier in the show, Trevor and I did discuss the document in great detail. Yes. And I think that the TWU are probably perhaps colouring the thing to suit their own interests. Mm. I'm not surprised by anything that the TWU's got to say about it, except to say they seem to interpret the fact that the logbook rules might go out the window a bit as there being no rules. And that's not the case at all. There will be rules. They just won't be enforced in the same way. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. It's actually good to hear you disagreeing with the TWU. You've been agreeing with them far too much lately. Yeah, I can't do it forever, mate. No, that's good. They might get used to it. Yeah, everything's getting back to normal. God's in his heaven. There we go. <laughs> Mike, news from Queensland that Transport and Main Roads Minister Mark Bailey was shocked. Shocked. Shocked, I say. Shocked. To see that in just under two weeks, nearly 500 people were caught every day for not wearing their seatbelts or for using a mobile phone whilst driving. Shocked he was. He was shocked. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm shocked. Mm. I'm absolutely shocked as well. I was shocked that he was shocked. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm not shocked. Oh, well, that's shocking. I'm not shocked that he was shocked. <laughs> oh, dear, Eddie. Who's on first? Uh, what? <laughs> Second. Second. Oh, dear, Eddie. Two weeks, 500 people were caught a day not wearing their seatbelt and using a fan behind the wheel in Queensland. Well, okay. We're at the point now of the use of all these cameras where we do spell road safety, R-E-V-E-N-U-E. Hmm. That used to be New South Wales's game. Hmm. And I'm sure Anastasia has got some bills to pay up here in Queensland, so she's going to rip it out of you any way she can. Yeah. And the whole guilt trip about how it's not on and all this sort of thing. 15% of Queensland's population live outside of significant urban areas, and they reckon there's a large percentage of those people aren't doing the right thing. Well, I don't know. You know, this year alone, they've invested $1.7 in road safety initiatives to prioritise road safety upgrades and improve driver education. I don't know if they're spending their money in the right way. They've had the programs called the Lift Legend and the Drive Smarter, Not Faster. Yeah. Perhaps if we had some decent roads to drive on. I don't know. Call me crazy. No, I wouldn't do that. No, no, you wouldn't dare. Not to your face, no. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is that I'm not surprised when you see these cameras that have been set up on the places where they set them up. I mean, they got pretty good at the sneaky camera setting up up here in Queensland. You know, kudos to them for that. Yeah. Time for unsafe drivers to realise it's only a matter of time until they're caught and fined heavily for driving distracted or not wearing a seatbelt. Yes. Look, I don't condone people driving down the road using their phone and the seatbelt thing, well, you know, the reality of it is is that people are going to do what they're going to do and the government are going to go ahead with their indirect tax and that's the one for you. Any which way. Mm. According to NatRoad, new government statistics indicate that lifting transport productivity needs to be a top priority for whichever party wins the upcoming federal election. And we'll put that one in the line of let's state the bloody obvious, everyone. <laughs> yep. NatRoad leading from the back as usual. Yeah. The heavy vehicle national law reform process was supposed to make road transport more efficient. The whole storm that is the review is the reason why the ATA put out their draft document for the review of the heavy vehicle national law and the modification of that routine. And Nat wrote of, oh, gee, the ATA said something. We probably better say something too. So that's what this story is about. Mm. The industry review is something that's been hammered by everyone, really. I mean, it's not the first time I've had anything to say about it. It's just something that needs to be done. I find with amusement that they've used my expression, we want a root and branch examination of what's a very broken process. (laughs) (laughs) Words right out of my mouth. Mm, Okay. mm. Thank you. There you go. Something to be proud of. Oh, look, mate, I'm stoked. Well, there you go. News done in record time. The the on-the-road news in brief. Well, we're going to settle in speed record, mate. I think we've done it. There you go. Mate, thought for the week. Mm -hmm. The only place where success comes before hard work is in the dictionary. (laughs) Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. It is indeed. I'll let you get back to your hard work. Mate, I've got to go and do a bit. I've got some stuff to do. May you have every success. Thank you very much, mate. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. This is Sorry, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll do a count, bro, okay? okay. <laughs> this is hard. Okay. One, two, three. Hey guys. Hi guys, this is Michaelis Kemp. Kemp and you're and listening to On, the, on road. the Road with Mike and Mike Andy. And Andy. <laughs> Trolling around social media as I want to do. It's interesting to find out what people are talking about. So here it is, something to talk about. 
bloke on social media there looking for a truck driver and he can't find anyone. He's made this comment, why are there so very few truck drivers in Australia? What's happened here? We're looking for someone to drive for us. We're a family operation. We have a diverse range of trucks and jobs. Does anyone know someone looking for work in the Southern Riverina? Well, some of the comments have been fairly instructive. And you look at the pictures, I mean, it's a big tipper, bloody nice-looking bit of gear with a big bunk on it and all the rest of it. you think someone would be falling over themselves to have a bit of a steer of that thing. Anyway, bloke named Dion says, career drivers are sick of the bullshit, to be honest. What young person wants to come into an industry where they could lose their weekly wage on a simple work diary error? I've always said that the first fine I get will be my last, and I'll hand my book to the issuing officer. Okay, <laughs> I felt that way myself. Another bloke, James, says, I haven't handed my book in yet, but seriously thinking of it. Got fined $685 for missing the Mount White South checking station while on a same day in a five-hour period drove through three other checking stations. Everyone is out to kill the industry. Another bloke, Joel, I got sick of the bullshit and the sick feeling in my stomach every time I saw a highway patrol car going the other way and then spend the next 10 minutes looking in the mirror to see if it turned around. I used to love the job, but now I hate it. It's a lifestyle, but it's not right now. Another bloke, Rob, said that there's not many desk jobs where you're at the constant risk of losing your freedom of movement and being fined a phenomenal amount of money while risking your life to keep everyone else fed and looked after. Hear, hear, Rob. Another bloke, Joel answered back. He says, $2,556 was my biggest fine. That's about what I'd take home from an Adelaide to Darwin trip. Imagine going home to the wife and kids and saying, no, Tucker, this week, we've got to pay the fine. And I've always said that there's more than just the driver and the fines are just outrageous. We shouldn't be penalised twice. I'm sure if you do the wrong thing, get a penalty. But how is it fair to penalise you twice? Now, if you want to go and defend yourself in court, then you lose money, you lose the pay. If you're on trip money, you're not getting paid, you can't take holidays or anything. Multiple penalties for the one thing. This is why a lot of drivers view a $1,000 fine as pay the thing because it's cheaper to pay the fine than to take all the rest of the crap that goes along with it. And then, of course, they end up with that on their record. You basically pay the fine, you pled guilty. And if something happens down the track, then the prosecutor stands there and says, oh, no, look at this. He's got a long list of bloody fines there. He's a serial offender. We've got to make an example of this driver. Anyway, I've gone on about it ad infinitum. Now, Blake Dean said he's seen hundreds of these ads, and not once he's seen the company offer to train a new young fella from scratch. Well, okay, but what happens when you do that, Dino? You get them trained, doing what you want to do. You've paid for all their stupid mistakes. And then because someone offers them a bit more crime, a bit more bling or an extra couple of cents of K, where they go, off into the sunset, you've paid for it, someone else gets the advantage. I hate to sound like a cynic, but that happens. It's happened more than once that I know about. There's lots and lots and lots of ads here. Another fella says, oh, I'm putting that up in Jerildry and Collie Amberley Facebook pages, a few MC drivers up there. But they're all tied to farming operations, so he couldn't get anyone for himself. Why are there no drivers? I don't think there are no drivers because they don't want to do the hours. That Long-distance drivers are hard to come by, and they often get treated <laughs> not the best. Anyway, that's the way of it. No one holds a gun to our head, of course. We get a choice of whether we do it or not. But unfortunately, sometimes I've discovered that drivers don't necessarily leave truck driving. They leave truck driving jobs. They go to better places. They don't leave the industry, leave the employers. And that's an entirely different issue. All right, something to talk about. Keep it safe out there. Shiny side up, etc. We'll catch you later. Hailing from Australia's country music capital of Tamworth, 
Freddie Bailey is an exciting young artist, possessing impressive talents as a writer, singer and guitar player. What's more, he's just 17 years of age. Taking us out of this week's show, here's the amazing Freddie Bailey with his brand new single, Run. Run from your troubles out of this town Can't see the point of hanging around Wasting time on the hometown scene Just to look back at what could have been Dance with the devil for a one-night stand The city limit signs don't make a free man I'm sitting here wishing Freedom was easy to find Some old wheeling and dealing Don't like to leave a man behind Small town, downtown production line Ain't a job for a boy with a big city mind I'll run, I'll run, I'll run Oh, I'll run, I'll run, I'll run I'll run to as far as my heart will take me Far enough for it all to make me Forget about my cares in the streets back there I could get my damn feeling Sitting here wishing Freedom was easy to find Same old wheeling Dealing To like to leave a man behind Small town, downtown production line Ain't a job for a boy with a big city mind I'll that's the show for another week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by queensland rail committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering innovation and education for more information go to www.qr.com.au and nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer visit the website at nti.com.au be sure to join us again next week when mike says um, you know, and, uh, you know. Andy says, just wash my tongue and can't do a thing with it. And our guest says, you can clean up that mess. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. There's only one way out, I'm gonna find it Yeah, I'm sitting here wishing Freedom was easy to find The same old wheeling and dealing Don't like to leave a man behind Yeah, I'm sitting here wishing Freedom was easy to find The same old wheeling and dealing Don't like to leave a man behind Production line, ain't a job for a boy with a big city mind out.